Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Today we are very lucky to have Councillor Roy Perry from Hampshire County Council with us. Now, we're going to be discussing some really interesting topics. We're going to be looking at unitarisation, council tax, funding, social care. It's all coming up in this episode. But let's talk a little bit about the man first I'm talking to today. Roy Perry formed the Vision for Hampshire 2050 Commission of Inquiry during his time as leader of Hampshire County Council and now continues to be chair and represent the division of Romsey Rural. Roy was first elected to Hampshire County Council in 2005 and was leader of the County Council from May 2013 to May 2019. From 2010 to 2013, he was executive lead member for Children's Services. Hampshire, for those of you who don't know, has a population of 1.3 million. It's the third most populous county in Britain with a county council budget of approximately two billion, that's two billion pounds per annum. From 1979 to 1995, Roy was a member of Test Valley Borough Council, chairman of planning from 1983 to 1985 and leader between 1985 and 1994. At a national level, he is vice chairman of the Children and Young from 1994 to 2004, he was a member of the European Parliament, initially for Isle of Wight and Hampshire South, and then as one of the 11 MEPs for South East England. He was Conservative spokesman of the Parliament Culture and Education Committee and Vice President of the Petitions Committee. So without further ado, Roy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you this morning? I'm very well, Matt. Can I just correct you? I am now a retired councillor. I've had a long career in local government, but in 2019, I decided to stand down as the leader of the county council. I didn't want to do a Joe Biden on people and stay on too long. Um, <laughs> and uh, in 2021, I retired altogether as a councillor. So I'm now an observer. I am, strictly speaking, an honorary alderman of Hampshire County Council, but that's the only local government role I have. Totally unpaid, no powers. Uh, no authority, but certainly a deep interest in local government. I think that's one of the things, one of the reasons I was so, so passionate to talk to you about, Roy, is because the breadth of experience that you have, you have pretty much touched every aspect in one of the largest councils in the UK. You've been involved with Europe. But let's just jump into this straight away. Let's talk about unitarisation. Um, you and I have spoke about this sort of kind of away before the recording. Um Sometimes some people feel that two-tier system can be expensive and inefficient. What do you think about that? There is a different role for district councils and county councils. And some things are better done at a more local level and some things are better done at a bigger, more strategic level. So in that respect, I can well understand the, the case for the two-tier system. Having said that, um, we all have to recognise that funding, finances are really critical and a lot of money is now spent by maintaining that two-tier system. So I think certainly there is a good case for looking closely at 
unitarization and possibly colonies that could come from that. Uh, what I am worried about, and, and it is a worry, and there's no simple answers here, is artificial or creation of artificial units where people don't really understand them, don't recognize them and don't identify with them. That's a big problem. Absolutely. I was talking to the leader of West Northamptonshire and, um, you know, uh, he, he was talking to me about since they're, 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 you know, that journey they've been on as a, as a unitary organisation going from obviously three councils in, into into the one. And, um, you know, it, it, it is it's a real journey. But you're right. I mean, we're at a time where there is having to be such a radical change that the councils need to go just to try and deliver frontline services. Um, I recently had the town clerk on from Shrewsbury Town Council, Helen. Do you think that more could be made of the parish and the local councils um, to support these unitarisation of the councils if that was to happen? Yeah, I do. I mean, I live in a, a village in, in Hampshire, small small village, uh, a well population, two or three thousand, uh, a very effective parish council that works well, maintaining uh, recreation facilities, helping maintain the village hall, seeing that the grass verges are cut, uh, and that works well. Uh, and I think could operate more extensively over the country. There is an issue inside towns. I know certainly from my Hampshire experience, there are some uh, authorities that just don't like the thought of town councils at all, or, or parish councils, Fairham is an e example of that. But actually, I think that um, uh, we're going to have to look more closely at uh, allowing parish stroke town councils to, to develop and take on more responsibilities. I've been really impressed when I've been uh, speaking to town clerks about their engagement with particularly with youth and rural communities and, and bringing people together. Um, particularly against the war on drugs and and and, and poverty. Um, one thing that you've talked to me off, off air about is is elected mayors. Could you talk to me about your your viewpoint on this and the kind of the rationale behind your viewpoint? Well, obviously, I come from a perspective of having been a leader of a district council, Test Valley, and a leader of a county council, uh, and I think that councillors have. Uh, get to know their, their colleagues, they know their strengths, their weaknesses, their qualities, uh, and for all sorts of reasons, somebody emerges from a council as the leader. When you elect a mayor, one person, probably not really well known, they will be elected on image. Uh, and I think that, uh, I, I really worry about that. Uh, uh, one person taking a decision, and we see with the the, the mayor of London, and I've got a lot of respect uh, for for Mr. Khan. I think he's got a tough job, but the one person to take a crucial decision, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that two heads are always better than one, and maybe half a dozen heads sitting down around a table to arrive at a decision, rather than one person taking crucial decisions that are going to affect lots of people's lives. Not 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 good in my book. It's really interesting. I, I guess kind of, I mean, what, so what would be, in your opinion, so you, not having an elected mayor, you'd prefer a more traditional where there's more more stakeholders involved in the decision making process across different parties? Yeah, I mean, the cabinet system works relatively well, as far as I can see, at, at both district and, and county level. Uh, and the senior councillors 
decide who's going to uh, work a, a, as a leader. But I think the election of a mayor, how are they chosen by the parties? I mean, I think that's a big issue that needs to be sorted out. And uh, I think uh, I, I'm really not very competent. I'm a conservative and I'm a proud conservative, but I, I'm not totally convinced that the way that parties operate to select their candidates as mayor is the best way of going about it. And I wouldn't have very much confidence in the Labour Party or the Liberal Democrats doing it any better. Interesting. Now, we talked about council tax. I mean, you know, uh, if you can talk a bit about that, because you've got a, some, some opinions around this as well. It would be good to get a, to, for those at home about your opinions on council tax. Well, because I'm very old and I go back a long way, I can still remember the, the fights and the struggles over the community charge, as Mr. Satcher tried to call it, the poll tax, as it was called. Uh, 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 and it was really a horrible period. Um, There's just a lot of good ideas, actually, and principle behind the community charge stroke poll tax. But trying to do something as dramatic as that was traumatic. And I think that has scarred local government, frankly, uh, ever since the, those days, it was pretty well getting on 50 years now. Uh, and uh, consequently, local government in Britain is not well funded. Um, it's too dependent upon central government. Central government takes decisions almost now on an annual basis. So big authority doesn't know until probably, well, if they're dead lucky, they, they know by Christmas what they're going to get for the following year. So it really is a totally indefensible system that we currently have. So I think we do need all of us across parties to put on our thinking caps, say, how can we get local government with more autonomy controlling its own funding? Currently, too dependent upon central government, uh, decisions taken too late in the day, uh, and uh, local government is constrained with a, a pretty unpopular, not really very effective council tax system. And then you've got this whole business of bidding for grants. How much money and time and effort is wasted on bidding for grants for civil servants somewhere in the bowels of Whitehall taking a decision on where the money will be allocated? Simply, I think, a, a pretty well indefensible system. I, I really, really buy into the the piece you just talked about there around the funding, because, you know, if you were to compare any private sector organisation, anything at all, um, the size and scale of a council to a two billion pound a year spend, you would not be doing that on an annual basis and, and you know, not knowing what was coming in the following year. I think the inability to not, you know, uh, to, to keep funds that you generate within the council, uh, you know, within that, that council so that's generated itself, not make keeping that revenue is is really hard and i also think that um uh the, obviously the funding we've talked about there keeping it internally and, and then obviously not being able to carry a deficit you know it's just uh, the, the inflexibility it's just it's like give councils a chance you know <laughs> just give us at least one thing to, to play around with um and this kind of this finance really really kind of tightens and and, and removes the effects of the, the safety net and the ability for councils to interact particularly around social care um, I mean, one of the bits that, you know, I want to talk to you about today is obviously we've got an ageing population um, and that's only going to, you know, uh, get get worse over the kind of the forthcoming decades. Um, how much of a problem is that? Immense. It, it simply is an immense problem. Uh, uh, and it's not just uh, adult care. That That is serious. There is an ageing population. Um, I'm 80. I want to go on for a few good few years yet. And I, I really appreciate as all people of my generation do, we're only going to get more expensive. We're going to be a demand on the 
uh, on the stage. And there it is. You, you can't uh, stop it. That, that train is clearly coming down the track. Um, so you've got a big problem there. You've equally got a big problem with uh, children care. Um, so huge problem, which frankly the government hasn't addressed. Mrs. Theresa May tried to deal with this, and some say that's the reason that she lost um, the general election that she fought because she was going to tax uh, people's houses, or that was how it was portrayed. Um, and so I think that that is one of the big problems that the nation is facing and needs to address. Uh, and currently, the present financial model for local government isn't geared up to cope with that. Absolutely. For those of you at home, obviously, you haven't got a video. Roy doesn't look a day over 55, just as a, a <laughs> kind of context um, on, on that. Um, no, it is absolutely a challenge. And I guess it's not only is there enough, is there not enough funding. And this is where the importance of partnerships comes in. We were talking yesterday to the chief exec of Luton around their plan to get Luton where they want to get to by 2040. And the partnerships with businesses and residents and, and, and kind of charitable sectors working together it's going to be a real challenge, but, you know, absolutely is massively important. And I think as well, just for those at home as well, it's just reinforcing the fact that so much of what uh, a local government has to spend each year, a lot of it goes on social care. You know, you're probably looking at between 75 and 85 percent, depending on the council and the specific dynamics of that community. Um, but it is such a huge part of it. And that's why, for me, that's probably one of the areas, if you were prioritising the areas that need the most support around uh, how money is being spent, the long-term strategy, the infrastructure, the partnership, care is the most important piece because of the amount of money that's spent on it. And um, the better that's done, it, it, it then it frees up uh, funds for, for other parts of the council. One thing we have seen, and this is always, um, it, it's always difficult for me because my, my background, I was working with property, but you know, councils used to be able to use the the public work loans board to to get investment properties, but we've seen a few councils kind of come unstuck because they necessarily didn't have the right governance um, or the right uh, advice on what they were they were purchasing. And then they've, they've it's really it's knocked them for six on their finances. In your opinion, should councils be investing into property? <laughs> yes and no is the answer. That's certainly not speculative investment. Um, uh, clearly, councils, I mean, I was always abused when I spoke with ministers and they sometimes even uh, MPs in Hampshire why don't you spend more of the council's reserves you've got huge reserves and indeed they look uh, enormous uh, I always took the view you can only spend reserves once um, but when I asked them when they calculated what uh, Hampshire had in reserves said do you take the county farms into account what are they? It would normally be the response. It's certainly the fact that I think Hampshire did. I don't know what the current figure is, but something like 50 farms probably worth a lot of money. Um, sorry, I'm digressing a bit there, but what I'm trying to say is that there are some good reasons and social reasons uh, and question of area that it's important that the county uh, is an investor. Certainly my predecessors as leaders of Hampshire County Council bought up some of those farms precisely to protect the quality of the environment of Hampshire. They could see rate of development. But this was done in the 50s and 60s. I'm not talking about last year or two years ago. Um, and I think that is sensible. I 
personally do not see why council shouldn't be uh, building housing estates and, and council houses. I've got no no problems with that. I know there'll be some in my party think that's anathema, but I think uh, we, we ne seriously need to think about it. But the thought that you would go out and blow a couple of million pounds on you think, here, I just heard a good wheeze that there's going to be a shopping development that we can put some money into. Uh, that I don't think is the way that council should be operating. That is fraught with danger. My own local district council, I see published very good figures that they've got some investments uh, and they've done very well. Good luck. Uh, but I know that next door district council has acquired huge debts and we all know that there are councils across the country now facing fantastic debts. No fault of the local people. But if you're going to engage in speculative investment, what do they say? They, they can go up, they can go down. Uh, and that I do not think is the right way for, uh, certainly for district councils, nor do I think, frankly, for large county councils to be engaged in speculative investment. Just to what, it knocked me off my my, 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 my my feet once when I, I'll never, I won't name the council, but there was a council that had bought part of the Shard um, yeah. as a, an investment. And uh, I was just like, why? It's not within the county barriers. It's not particularly a great investment on the return. It felt more like an ego purchase. Um, and I guess that that's it. I mean, you know, it's, I think for, for me, it's, it's, there has to be the right governance and the right skill sets internally. And that's the challenge. Um, you know, I know some people who've done very well, the councils out there, you know, Steve Kaplan, who's done a phenomenal job for some of the councils he's worked for. But not every council has that skill set. And I think it's when you see councils going off without the right governance, that's when the, the real quality is. And governance comes back to a really interesting question because I didn't realise this till a, a couple of months ago, but there are no minim, minimum qualifications or training f for a councillor. No, there isn't. There isn't. Um, it, it's more about, uh, and it's it, of course, it's for that reason that you know it, it could be anyone from the community, and, and the, the council yeah. should represent the cross section of the community. But how how hard is that as a leader to maintain standards in terms of how the public view, you know, the 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 you, you know the the council that you're representing. How do you keep everybody, you know, to a standard that obviously you're you're a very high standard and you've got you've been incredibly successful in your career, but how do you maintain that standard when there's no minimum quality kind of entry point as a councillor? Well, that's called democracy, isn't it? And, <laughs> and so it's up to the local people to 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 assess the quality of the person who's standing. But it goes back to what I was saying a bit earlier about the mayor. I really worry if you. Um, just because someone's got a lot of charisma and doesn't mean they've got a lot of financial acumen. Uh, and you really do need to worry about that. It also, you, you, um, councillors depend very much upon council officials. Uh, and I always made the point there has to be mutual respect between the councillors and their officials. The, uh, and good councils, I think that happens. Uh, I always had tremendous respect for the chief executives, treasurers, and indeed all staff I worked with at Hampshire and indeed Tess Valley. And I think in return, there was a, a, a sincere respect that officers had of the tough job that members have to do. So I think I want local government to remain democratic. Um, I do worry uh, quite seriously, uh, as having been an active politician for 50 odd years, that, the attraction of wanting to become a councillor. You know, I sometimes say, who on earth would want to do it? Uh, you know, a lot of times, certainly no money in it. Um, 
uh, and a lot of criticism and everybody knows better than the person who's taking the decision what, what should be done. Uh, and I think there is this, this genuine concern I have here of encouraging able, competent people to get involved in local governments. Um, uh, and I think the present lifestyle that people lead in their jobs that are demanding with uh, computers sort of operating all hours of the day, 24 hours a day, that it, it's much harder for people to say, well, I'm going to give up my evenings to going along to council meetings. When I first joined the council, the then leader of Eastleigh Borough Council, going back a long, long while, thought it was clever to put me on the allotments committee. Now, I know nothing about allotments. Didn't know then and don't know now. Uh, but um, I had the time. I was prepared to learn, prepared to listen to people. Um, but there, there is a real worry, I think, in getting good people to participate in the democratic process. Because, I mean, particularly, I mean, you, you'll have seen us through your journey within local government, but the rise of social media, the ability of anonymity for people to criticise. You know, I'd imagine historically if someone had an issue, they'd come to a meeting and they would voice it there and then there would be a maybe not the most comfortable confrontation, but there would be a, a conversation that was had and they would stay in that room. Now, it, you know, people are incredibly vulnerable to to online and, and obviously the, the toll that takes on, on one's mental health and you know, it, it kind of then it raises you've you've I think you've hit a really, really important question. Why would someone get involved in local government? And you, you want people to get involved in local government who want to make a difference, not because they want to be to have power or, or narcissistical or, or, or an ego. And it, that I think that's that's really hard. And I think as a society, it's it's one of those things where and this is one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast was to show people at home and you know the everyday people who have no interaction with the council just how tough it is. And what people have to put up with when they're not getting a huge financial remuneration or reward um, with some of the roles of voluntary uh, and they're just trying to do the best by the community they live in and they serve. And, and you know, so it's it, it's a really, really interesting uh, challenge, I think, for for leaders and for it's not just for councils. It is for communities, because, you know, as you said there, if you don't have the quality of councillor coming through with the right intentions, it fundamentally damages the community they serve. That that that's that's fundamentally it. So it's it's a uh, a more for you know uh, open conversation and challenge. But I think it's just it's retaining the the politeness and the respect for the fact that people are giving up their time and and putting themselves in in that position in the first place. But um, no, I think you're absolutely right on that, and I think uh, at least we have a lot more attention on that. It was certainly part of the reason why I stood down as leader of Hampshire County Council. I recognise. Uh, talking with my grandchildren that my uh, social media skills were not what theirs were uh, and not what was needed in the present age. I wasn't prepared to issue, uh, uh, get, go on to Twitter or X or whatever uh, to every hour of the day, but I know the, the guy who succeeded me as a councillor, a good man, um, does that very effectively in a lot of time, but it takes a lot of effort, a lot of uh, Time, a lot of expertise that I certainly didn't have. Um, perhaps it's one of the answers to this is the, the, the role of the town and parish council, uh, getting back to that more local community. I think people are, you know, I notice that people will volunteer to come out picking litter in the village. They'll even come out and cut the grass verges in the village. They'll do it for the local village community because they can see it. If I have to ask someone to do that for Hampshire County, 
Uh, there aren't many people who say, oh, the county council is crucial. They, they would normally say, here, you've got millions stacked in the bank and you're not filling in these potholes. Uh, you know, get on with the job yourself. So I think there is that local community is, is, remains and should become perhaps increasingly important. I think that's a really, really pertinent and important piece to uh, to conclude on. So, Roy, I just want to firstly thank you for your the time today, but also thank you for your service to, uh, proud to Hampshire and to, uh, to politics across the, the country. So you've made an invaluable contribution. So thank you so much. Backgrounds, finding roles in entry-level positions. Those listening at home, you've been listening to myself and Roy Perry. Have if a great day. interested in supporting this cause, please find details in the link below. Suso, stand up, speak out. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truthaboutlocalgovernment.com at gmail.com truth about local government local government is at the heart of what we do